Well, uh, good morning and happy Mother's Day. Um, on behalf of guys, I guess I can say that uh, vaguely aware that um, we cannot understand all the love and joy and grace and, and effort and sleepless nights and prayer and angst and all the energy uh, that goes into being a mom. And we are all indebted to a mom. Uh, so thank you very much for all that you are doing. Uh, as many of you know, we have been working our way through uh, the Gospel of Luke, and we just, in Luke 11, we've been focusing on the prayer that Christ taught uh, the disciples to pray, and so we had a little prayer uh, series, mini-series, talking with God. Um, we're moving on today, but let's, let's stay with the Quakers just a little while longer. I want to invite you all to stand. Let's... Um, Let's do that hands down for a moment and just, Heavenly Father, we just want to release things now. We want to set aside um, all the angst and fear and uh, anxiety and and frustration and uh, ambition, whatever's driving us right now, um, across the board, all the campuses. we We just, hands down, we want to let go of that. And now as we turn our hands up, uh, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, we pray that we would receive from you now uh, a sense of peace, a sense of direction, and we meet with you and uh, be with you today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Um, we are, uh, we're actually backing up just a little bit right now. Uh, we were in Luke 11, but I skipped over this passage in uh, at at the end of Luke chapter 10, saving it for Mother's Day. Uh, it's sort of a classic passage. It's not just for moms. It's the Mary and Martha um, passage. And they're sisters, they're friends of Christ. They see the world differently. And uh, it's, it's common today to suggest that that's fine and everybody can see the world however they want uh, and that they're all equally valid. But Jesus actually goes on record as saying that one of them sees it wrong. Uh, Mary gets it right, Martha gets it wrong. And if you have problems keeping these um, Mary and Martha separate, I mean, I've always got to have little aids. I remember Cain killed Abel because Abel wasn't able to defend himself. So you got to just try and remember who's who. So Martha is, I mean, now it's, it's easy to remember who Martha is because Martha is Martha Stewart, uh, first century minus the insider trading and the empire and the TV show. But that's really, that's who Martha is in this text. She's the, she's the hard-charging, overachieving, if X is fine, then 10X made from scratch will be better. Uh, let's do 10X. And uh, Jesus is just going to sort of <laughs> try and say, you know, uh, you're adding stress that you don't need to add to your life. And and the way forward, and this is the key takeaway today for moms and for everybody. The way forward, the best thing that you can do for those that you love, right, is to love God more. The greatest gift you can give them is, is to develop a robust inner world that shapes your outer world. And, uh, and that's what we're going to see today in this Passage. So if you want to follow along, I'm reading out of Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. 
As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So remember, Jesus and the disciples have been up in Galilee for the last couple years. They're now moving south. They're headed to Jerusalem. It's a 10-chapter march. They've arrived in Bethany, and uh, they've arrived in the home of this woman named Martha. Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. We don't actually know whether this is a reference to just a one-time event that Mary is sitting at, at, at Christ's feet. This is, the, this is the position of a student. Uh, she's not one of the twelve, but she sure seems to be there with the twelve. And Jesus sort of had little interest in the prejudices of the day. He has uh, always elevated women, and so he's, Mary is sitting at the feet of of, the, of, of Jesus with the other disciples. And uh, this, is a, this is a discipleship passage, and she's doing the right thing. So, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, this is to Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So, a little tension in the family here. You've got the older, again, hard-charging, high-achieving firstborn, Martha, and her younger sister, Mary, who no doubt she's nicknamed Princess. And uh, Mary is not in the kitchen helping. And so Martha says, Jesus, tell my sister, the prima donna, to get her backside into the kitchen you know, I've got, uh, I've got pheasant under glass going here. Uh, I've got a French mushroom sauce that won't stir itself. I need a little help. Tell her to get in here. Uh, verse 41, Jesus replies, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. And remember, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, the New Testament written in the Greek, the uh, Old Testament written in Hebrew, when a word is repeated, it's done so to emphasize something. They don't have as many um, adjectives and adverbs in the language. And so one of the ways they would, they would try and highlight something is just to repeat it. So this is why we have, for instance, Jesus saying things like, Truly, truly, I say to you. Right? So it's just, a, it's just a way to make the point a little bit stronger. Last week I read out of uh, Isaiah 6, the, the passage where, where Isaiah is called up into heaven. And and the angels that are in Christ's presence are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? So they're just emphasizing this to the, to the extreme. There's only a couple things that get emphasized three times in Scripture, the holiness of God. Interestingly, we also get um, something else that gets repeated three times, and it's the letter six. So, you know, lots of people make lots about the mark of the beast. And, and when we sort of really try and understand what's going on, seven is sort of the letter of completion or perfection. So six is highlighting that it's incomplete. And so we get this incompleteness, this, this lack of perfection to the, the ultimate degree, 666. So words get repeated in, in the Greek and the Hebrew to emphasize them. Jesus is clearly trying to get Martha's attention. And somehow, I suspect it's in, with, with a lot of compassion, he's, he's trying to direct her. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Uh, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So in other words, Jesus says, no, 
no, I'm not going to tell your sister uh, to stop. I'm going to tell you that you're, you're, you're all wrapped up about the things that don't ultimately matter. And you would be better off to actually be in here. We don't need the fine china. We don't need, you're adding stress, right? We just, we'd simple with an attention to your heart would be better than the direction that you're headed. And so this is, this is sort of the backdrop for me to say to, to moms, but really to everybody, uh, right? A, a, a heart that is alive to God, an inner world that is robust and healthy matters a hundred times more than a clean house. Right? If, if, if what, you, what we're ultimately after is, uh, is, a, is a heart that is alive to God. Now, I want to I defend Martha for just a second here. Um, it's not that what she's doing doesn't matter. Uh, and, I, and I don't think we can read into this that, uh, that, that contemplation is always better than service or... Uh, that, that worship is always more important than acts of sacrifice. I, no, I don't think we can go there. And furthermore, I want to affirm that Martha has opened up her home. And uh, that's a good thing, right? We need, we need more of that. My sense today is, is that there's a lot of families that um, they have homes that can feel a little bit like a fortress, right? It's a, it's a barricade uh, against the onslaught of the world. And so it's a, it's a really defensive posture. And they don't invite a lot of things in. And other families, other homes feel a little bit more like a museum where uh, they only want on display what's perfect. And I just want to say, no, life is messy and, and uh, we're not called to display perfection. We're called to display love and grace and hospitality and invite people into life. And so... Um, so it's not that what Martha is doing doesn't matter. It does. But she's, she's messed up, and it's a common way to mess up. She's, she's elevated the good, a good thing, over the best thing. And what Jesus is saying is, you know what? A little less of that and a little more attention to your heart, to your inner world, would be, uh, would be better off. Everybody would profit, including you, Martha, if you did that. So... On this Mother's Day, I want to say it's uh, not all about a cleaner house. And uh, it's not all about getting everything on our to-do list done. The life that God calls us to should not require an addiction to Red Bull or five-hour energy drink or anything like that. Um, The way forward, the life we are invited into is a life that, that probably in this Martha world, in this Martha culture in which we find ourselves... It's probably a world in which we are saying things like, less is more, and I need to attend to my heart. I need, I need my inner world to be strong enough that it shapes my outer world, and that the outer world is not shaping my inner world. Right? So I need, to, I need to attend to what I need to attend to in order to be that kind of a person. And if I do that, um, then I can move forward. So... I'm emphasizing this. Uh, they, they, they suggest you can always tell what you know. You can always tell the sins of the preacher. It's what he yells about the loudest. Uh, so I emphasize this: aware of my own challenges and struggles on this front, and it's been a big sort of point of focus 
for, uh, for me this year to, to try and slow down, dial back, uh, protect my Sabbath. I, I, I don't know that anybody's paid attention, but in the, in the 12 years that I've been here, uh, I've not ever preached on the Sabbath because I, I, I just would feel very hypocritical about that. Um, and so I'm, I'm think, I finally decided, nope, nope, I've got to get this under control. And, I'm, and, so, and so this has been a focus of mine to say, the life that God calls me to, the life that God calls you to, is a life um, that should produce joy. And there are seasons that are going to be hard and where we're going to have to work hard. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, wow, it's, I mean, we've all got to go into the kitchen. We've all got to sacrifice. That's just, that's just part of what is expected. So I'm not suggesting otherwise. But, but there ought to be a cadence to our life that, that is life-giving and that, that we get this, this, we develop a robust inner world. So because this is um, on point for me, uh, I, just, I, I see examples of this so many places. And I see how out of control so many other people's lives are. Which, by the way, I mean, hey, just recently the United States starting, started selling more tons of aspirin than we sell tons of fertilizer. Right? That's, that's the world, that's the culture in which we live. Things are a little bit out of control. And so... Um, uh, I saw this, I, I stated it was in Boston for a com- at a conference a couple weeks ago, and I wrote a little bit about this. I, I wasn't going to be able to make it back for, um, for Saturday night or e- really even um, Sunday morning. So I decided to just stay through uh, Monday and to take advantage of some of the libraries there. I'm working on the fall series. And I went to uh, Park Street Church, which is a historic church in the heart of Boston. It's 225 years old, and... You know, Paul Revere is buried in the cemetery next to the church, and they started uh, World Vision, which is out of their missions program, which is now a two and a half billion dollar uh, Christian relief agency. And I mean, there's just, it's got a very storied, historic position. It's not a it's not a huge church. Uh, it's not any bigger than Christ Church, but it's got a big national, international footprint. So I went to services there, and afterwards. Um, I saw the pastor, and we had a brief conversation, and he said, well, he said, uh, I've got all these students from uh, Harvard and MIT, and he says, a lot of Chinese students in particular, and he says, what I'm aware of is that they are the best of a billion. You know, he says, there's a billion people in China, and, and only the, the elite of the elite of the elite uh, are able to come to, to be students here in, in Cambridge at MIT or at at Harvard, and he says, and I've got a lot of them that attend uh, our church. And he says, what's so clear to me is that what I've got to get through to them is that the way forward is not through working harder. Right? They've already worked so hard, and the way forward to the life that they want is actually going to come through through some restorative inner working. And he says, many of them, and this is interestingly what David Brooks. Uh, the New York Times columnist is saying, is that many of them not only don't understand that, he says they don't even have a vocabulary for that. He says it's hard to even introduce the idea. Well, uh, we're not at Park Street Church, but there's, um, I mean, they're, in the, they're also, the church is located in the center of the financial district in uh, Boston. 
So there's a lot of overlap here. There's a lot of you who have, who have just worked hard, 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 more, earlier, push harder. Uh, and, and somehow the message here to all the Marthas in the room is that, um, you know, that's not, more of that is not what's going to impress God. It's not what you really ultimately want. It's not through your quest. Now, again, we are called to discipline ourselves, to move towards God. It's, it's not just, it's not a passive posture, but it is a, there's, there's got to be this difference that we understand between our outer lives and our inner lives. And there's got to be more attention to this inner space. Um, also, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this because this is the fall series. Um, you know, we do these outreach, push people into small groups, invite you to invite friends uh, in the fall. We did some fence post things years ago. Then a couple years back, it was the life of Christ. And then two years ago, it was uh, seven deadly sins. And then this last year, it was broken. So this next year, it's, it's deep. And, and the premise is, uh, I know... I know lots of really smart people. I know lots of really powerful people. I know people that are in great shape. I know people that have lots of money. I know people that, I mean, I see lots of of people that have lots going for them. But I'm not sure that I see many deep people, right? And and, And I'm not entirely certain what it means to be deep and how we become deep. But I know that, uh, I think that what we need is more depth, and that our culture gets shallower and shallower, and we need more depth. And, and that's, a, that's an attention to our inner world, and that's a cultivation of that. And I think we've been, um, you know, it's, just, it's, it's sort of endemic in our society right now that we're going faster, but it's not necessarily better. Uh, I heard, I sort of doubt that it's true, but I heard that a, a rhino can run 60 miles an hour, but can only see about 25 feet ahead of itself, which means that, you know, it really can't see what it's running at at 60 miles an hour. And um, I, I sort of doubt that those statistics are perfectly accurate, but I thought, mm, that describes a lot of people that I know. Uh, they're running uh, really, really, really fast and can be commended for that. Uh, there's a lot to celebrate about that, but they can't see uh, ahead. John Ortberg tells a story, by the way. Uh, Ortberg is a pastor of a large church in California, an author, um, some, some thoughtful books. And, and, um, and he describes an event in which a couple years ago, he felt like his life was out of control and he was very frustrated. And so he called his mentor, Dallas Willard, who's a professor at USC, a philosophy guy, but really a, a deep uh, walk with God and, and had done a lot of thinking and developing and cultivating sort of in this idea of spiritual formation. And so um, Ordberg calls Willard and says, you know, things are a little bit out of control. I, I need some help. I need some advice. And so they talk for a while and then uh, Ordberg said, so what, what would you tell me? What advice do you have for me? And Willard said, uh, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So, Orbrook said, I wrote it down. I said, okay, got it, what else? And there's a pause, and he says, I said, I've got it, I wrote it down, what else? And, and uh, Willard said, 
There is nothing else. You've got to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And uh, so I, I just sort of sense that that's, that's the kind of counsel that, that Jesus is giving to Martha, right? You've added these things that, that you don't have to add. <laughs> You're stressed out over things that don't matter, right? Just take a step back and focus on the things that do matter. So what would that look like? What, what, would, it, what would it look like if we attended to our inner world more? Well, I, uh, I, can only, um, I can only tease you this morning. Uh, again, I think this will be a bigger part of what we're going to think about in the fall. But I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll say three things for all the Marthas out there. Again, Martha's named Mary and Jill and Susan and Tiffany, and Martha's named Bill and Jack and Jeff. Uh, so all the, all the Marthas. I'll say three things. One, certainly it means that we have to attend um, to our memories. Uh, Abraham Heschel is a, is a great uh, Jewish, was a great Jewish scholar. He's passed away. But a prominent Jewish scholar, in particular of the prophets. And uh, written some, some wonderful books. Uh, Heschel said, what separates us from the animals is our ability to attend to our inner life. Right? It's self-talk, it's self-awareness, it's, it's, it's cultivating our soul. And he says, this is what makes us different from the animals. And he says, we, we have to be very intentional about this. Well, um, Frederick Beekner, a Presbyterian pastor, novelist, writer, suggests that our inner space, our inner world, is as big as outer space. And that it's full for all of us Every thought we've ever had, every experience we've ever had, every action, uh, everything is somewhere inside of us. Everything that we've gone through. And he says we need to attend to these memories. We need to think through these memories. Some of these memories we need to mine for insight uh, about life and about ourselves. Some of these memories we need to defang, his term. Um, so I, I was tipped off by somebody that they had been looking at the life of Joseph through this idea that maybe Joseph had PTSD. So Joseph is the, the son of, of Jacob, uh, you know, the, the favored son, uh, the firstborn of Leah, who was Jacob's favored wife. Um, and, and so, excuse me, Rachel... And, and, and Joseph, you know, the Technicolor Dreamcoat, uh, he's, he's the prominent one. So Donny Osmond in the play, right? So, but, but here's the thing. If you go back and you read Joseph's life, recorded in the book of Genesis, the first half dozen chapters that are talking about Joseph are all about uh, all these big and really not pleasant things that are happening to him. He's sideways with his brothers. He gets sold into slavery. He then sort of uh, climbs his way up through the ranks. He gets falsely accused of something. He ends up in prison. You know, he's, he, he helps some people. They forget about him. He's got a very traumatic early life. And then we, we don't get a lot about Joseph's um, 
adult life. We sort of get him up to maybe 25 or 30, and then we don't, we don't hear from Joseph until he's, he's much older. But what we, when we visit Joseph, the last chapters that talk about Joseph's life show that he's, he's got all this anguish that he's trying to process, uh, all, this, all these issues about how he was raised that he's still trying to settle. And um, so the argument was Joseph had PTSD. He, was, he had a post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, I don't know that he did, but it's clear he had to deal with some of those memories. And he had to, he had to let go of some of those things because they were, they were keeping him up at night 25 years later. So I just would ask, are there memories... Are there incidents that you need to mine for insight about yourself or things that you need to process so that they're not, you know, shaping you in unhelpful ways? I had a conversation out in the lobby a few years ago. A gentleman came up to me afterwards and he says, okay, okay, you keep telling me I got to go to this men's fraternity thing. I got to get up really early on Friday mornings. Why should I go? What am I going to get out of it? And I said, well, I, I don't know, maybe nothing, uh, maybe something. You know, I said, what we talk about uh, is we're talking about how men in particular, adult males, are often held back emotionally in a handful of very common ways. They've been hurt uh, in somewhere early in life, and they sort of don't progress past a certain point. And so there's a lot of adult males out there that aren't really men in the way that the Bible calls adult males to be men. And uh, then I just took a chance, and I said, this, this guy was probably in his um, 70s. And I said, for instance, I said, um, one of the comments that, that I just made this past week was that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of 70-year-olds who are still waiting uh, to hear their dad, now long since passed away, say, you're a good guy, I'm proud of you, I love you. And I said this to this guy, and he blinked a couple times, and then he just broke down sobbing, right? Just shoulder-heaving sobs. And after about 45 seconds, his wife came along, put her arm around him, and, and sort of led him away. And I thought, okay, right? There's, there's some... Issues in the past. There's some memories that have not been attended to. There's an inner world that is um, disordered in ways that are not helpful. I have no idea what this guy's story is. He may have been grievously wronged by his father. But there are ways to sort of set those things right. <laughs> there are ways to attend to that. And to have an inner world um, that, is, that has been sanitized again, that has been washed by the grace and the love and the acceptance of God, and that, that takes away some of that pain. So one of the things that we have to do to have an inner world that's working is attend to those memories. Another thing that we have to do is uh, we have to attend to our future. We have to ask ourselves, right, am I on the right path? Where does this go, Right? Does my life look like my life should look like? Is this what I'm called to? Am I serving in the ways that I've been empowered to serve? Do I, if I stay the course here, do I actually become more the kind of person that I want to be or not? Right? We're all on a path. 
And paths have destinations, right? They're leading somewhere. So the question is, is this leading in the right place? This is one of the, the Sabbath gifts that we're given, right? One of, the, one of the blessings that God gives us is this day in which to process, to look back at what happened and to look forward uh, to what's coming and to just think about it and to not be the rhino that's running so fast that there's just no time to think about what you just passed. You can't even look ahead to what's coming. And so we are given this opportunity to attend to the past, to look to the future. And then a third thing is just to, to live more in God's presence in the present and uh, to, to develop the kind of cadences and habits that allow us in the course of the day to just reflect and say, how am I doing? Um, how did I do this morning uh, in terms of, of being a gracious person? How did I do with my ego? How did I do with my money? How did I do with my words? Right? Was, I, was I a net positive? Was I a net negative? Um, how, what, what do I need to reflect on, right? To just build some of those opportunities for reflection and confession and moving forward in our present, right? That's, that's all about cultivating the kind of inner life that we want. And um, that's what we are invited into. So there's more, obviously. Uh, I mean, I think it goes without saying that, that this kind of processing this kind of introspection uh, is something that has to be done in the, in the company of friends. We can't just do it uh, on our own. We, we, this is why we're so intentional about small groups and so intentional about community. We just can't, can't see ourselves accurately if, if we're the only one that's speaking into this process. And, and it also, I just want to say, look, this is hard. Every, every culture has upsides and downsides to it. There's a lot of positive things about our culture. There's a lot of things that in the West and in particularly uh, in the United States and in the zip codes around here, there's a lot of things that, that we do right. What we don't do right, right, one of the specific challenges that we face is we're swimming in a culture that is fast. And we're swimming in a culture that is about outward. And it doesn't, it doesn't celebrate a lot of inward. But um, Jesus says to somebody living in that culture who had that mindset, that personality back in the first century, um, no, I'm not going to tell your sister uh, to stop sitting around listening to what I'm saying to come in here and do more work. I'm not going to say that because you've got it wrong. Martha, Martha, you're worried about too many things. There's only a few things that matter. Your sister has chosen a better way. So, to all the moms out there, again, and to everybody, the, the, the greatest gift that we give to uh, those we love is not a cleaner house. It's not that everything on our to-do list got done, right? It's that we attend to our relationship with God. It's that we cultivate uh, a dynamic, growing, vibrant, life-giving, grace-filled inner life that allows us to shape the world around us as opposed to getting squeezed into its mold. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, there's so many ways that we feel uh, inadequate and guilty uh, of not getting things done. 
And um, there's so many ways we make assessments of uh, what matters that are unhelpful and skewed and wrong. And much of that is fueled and fed by this culture that we live in. Um, Help us to see past it. Uh, Help us to see in this teaching by uh, by Christ that um, there is a there is a better path, and um, that it's not always a path that uh, we might think. Help us to be Marys in a Martha world. Um, I pray especially for those um, moms who are stressed and overworked and have got just a thousand things going on and lots of expectations. Pray for some clarity. I pray again for all of us in, in, a, in a Martha world that we could have merry insight and cultivate um, a, a walk with you, a relationship with you, a, a dynamic, vibrant, growing, healthy, gracious inner world that allows us to shape the outer world and not to be pressed into a mold that's not helpful. Um, pray to that end. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.